Well, this morning I would invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John as we continue in our study of the Gospel of John. We'll be looking at John chapter 8 and verses 48 through 59. John chapter 8 and verses 48 through 59, the very last section of John chapter 8. And this is what we read. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Before we get into our passage this morning, I want to make just a couple of comments. Obviously, we are at the end of John chapter 8, especially if you've been following along with us each week. But not only are we at the end of John chapter 8, we are at the end of a rather long section of the Gospel of John that goes from John chapter 5 all the way to the end of John chapter 8. And in those chapters, Jesus is having this intense conflict, debate, with the Jewish religious leaders. And there are pauses to it, but really, it is a, deb a debate that is ongoing in all of these chapters. So these chapters contain a lot of dialogue. Now, next week, we're going to kind of transition in the Gospel of John. We're going to move on to chapters, to chapter 9 and then obviously to chapters 10, 11, and on, and it will be somewhat different. It's much more action-oriented, event-oriented. So these chapters, chapters 5 through 8, have been, I would say, pretty heavy in content. Jesus is proclaiming his deity, and in the context of biblical Christianity, these chapters are extremely important, but they are not always easy chapters. They aren't. I think of a chapter like chapter 6, some tough verses, tough to interpret, tough to totally grasp all that Jesus is saying, and yet they are so important. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank you as a congregation for bearing with a pastor like me who believes in preaching through books of the Bible because you hit those sections that are a little heavier than other places, but they are important, especially when you you believe in and hold to expositional preaching and preach through books like this. And so I want to thank you for being good Bible students, for persevering and really understanding the Word of God in all of its fullness and context. 
But I will confess to you this morning, in all my years, I think John chapters 5 through 8 have been one of the most difficult sections to preach on that I've ever experienced. Rich, important, but not easy. Because he's often restating what he stated before and really entering into this debate. And we see this at the very end here as well. And so our first point this morning is you will never taste death. In this last section of John chapter 8, everything is connected to the shocking statement that Jesus made in verse 44. So, if you want to look at the section we looked at last week, and if you're watching by live stream this morning, I forgot to mention, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. I will, the, the verses will either be posted for you or I will explain them for you. You don't need to worry about that. But in verse 44 of John chapter 8, Jesus says to the Jewish religious leaders, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, as we saw last week, Jesus tells the religious leaders of Israel that they are children of the devil. And I shared with you last week that this may be one of the most shocking statements, not only in the entire Bible, but in all of literature. Jesus is saying to the religious leaders of the most religious nation on earth at this time in history, who based their whole religion on their belief that they were worshiping the one true God, he says to them, God is not your father. Your father is the devil. Your father is Satan. And they react, as you can imagine, again, very strongly. In verse 48, the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I mean, you can sense the fear, you can sense the anger in what they are saying. Aren't we right in saying you are a Samaritan? We saw this back in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we saw that the Jews at this particular time despised the Samaritans and had very little to do with them. And the reason they despised them is because of their history. And so I want to go over that just very briefly, especially for those of you who may not be familiar with it. In the Old Testament, after King Solomon's reign, the kingdom of Israel divided into two nations, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel strayed into all kinds of idol worship. They strayed far from the Lord. Eventually, the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered in 722 B.C. by the great Assyrian Empire at that time in history. And they came and they took some of the Jewish people from the northern kingdom and exported them to other countries. They took people from other countries and imported them into the northern kingdom of Israel. Those foreigners intermarried with the Jews in the northern kingdom. And they continued on in all kinds of syncretism and all kinds of false religions and idol worship. So for those Jews in the southern 
kingdom of Judah, which remained, in essence, more pure or true Jewish. They despised the people in the north. They were half-breeds. They were pagan worshipers. They were idol worshipers. And by the time you come to the first century, the meanest, cruelest, nastiest thing you could say about another Jewish person was, you are a Samaritan. And so they say to Jesus, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? You're demon-possessed. Now this is not new. They have said this before about Jesus. And if we combine the four Gospels, we realize that they often said this. In fact, they often claimed that Jesus was not only possessed by a demon, but that he was possessed by Satan himself. We could look at numerous references, but let me give you just one this morning. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 22, it says, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. Beelzebul is another name for Satan. It's like Lucifer. It's like the devil. Beelzebul, he is possessed by Satan. by the prince of demons, by Satan himself. That's how he casts out the demons. So we have this angry confrontation and the anger is elevating. But there's something I want you to see this morning. Although Although it is easy to miss, embedded in this last section of the Gospel of John is a gracious invitation to salvation. In this last section of John chapter 8 is a gracious invitation to salvation and I don't want you to miss it. And we have Jesus. Even though this has been going on for a long period of time, this confrontation, this heated exchange, he is still offering them the gospel. He is still inviting them to come to him. And in verses 49 and 50, Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Jesus says, I don't have a demon. I honor my Father and you dishonor the one the Father sent, which is me. I don't seek my own glory. I've told you that repeatedly. There is one who seeks my glory. The one who seeks my glory is my Father, the Father that you claim to worship. And he is the judge. Important little phrase. And he is the judge. Let the judge of all the earth decide between us who is telling the truth. Who is on the right side. He knows your hearts. He knows everything about you. And that's important. He is the judge. He is not only the judge over this conversation. He is the judge who knows everything about their thoughts. Everything about their motives. And let us not forget this morning. There is one true judge in all of existence and that is God himself and he knows all of your thoughts all of your motives he knows everything about you you can say things and do things that that fool me or fool other people but you can never fool God he knows exactly what your motives are he knows exactly what you are always thinking because he is the judge of all the universe And look at verse 51. This is the invitation. I want you to notice this. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. He says to them, even after they've made these accusations, truly, truly, I say to you, and remember when we see that phrase, it means pay attention. It means listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. If anyone keeps my word, if anyone hears my gospel message, if anyone hears my invitation to salvation and responds to it, he will never see death. What does he mean he will never see death? Jesus is talking here in the context about the second death. We are all going to die physically one day, apart from the rapture. We're all going to die a physical death. But after the first death, those who know Christ as Savior will enter into his glory. They will enter into his presence. But those who have rejected the gospel, those who do not know Christ as Savior, will experience what is known as the second death. The second death is when a person is judged and condemned eternally to hell and ultimately will be thrown into the lake of fire because they refused the gracious invitation that Jesus gives or that God gives through his son Jesus. That is the second death. And Jesus says, if anyone keeps my word, if anyone hears my gospel, embraces my gospel, receives my gospel, he will never see the second death. In verse 52, the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, and they understood him correctly, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Again, they see only with secular eyes and think with secular minds. They do not realize that he's talking about eternal death, not physical death. But don't miss the fact that he is reaching out to them. I want you to think about this with me a little longer. Let's think about the second death. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection, the one who knows Christ as Savior. Over such, watch this, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has received Christ as Savior over such the second death has no power. Revelation 20, verses 14 and 15. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Now watch this. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the lake of fire. Or excuse me, this is the second death, the lake of fire. This is the eternal condemnation of God for those who do not know Christ. Jesus is saying you don't have to experience the second death. It reminds us of the great invitation that we looked at in John chapter 7. In John chapter 7 and verses 37 and 38. Jesus, or we read, on the last day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
he is extending this invitation even to these men, even to those who are in this, who are engaged in this heated debate with him. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He will live eternally. He will live forever. Oh, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. And that brings us to our second point this morning. Jesus existed before Abraham. Jesus brings chapter 8 to a powerful close when he claims that he was alive before Abraham ever lived. In verse 53, the Jews continue to say to Jesus, Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? How can you make these claims, Jesus? Are you, father, are you greater than Abraham? Remember, they're now appealing to Abraham. We saw this earlier in chapter 8. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? How can you say we will not see death, we will not taste death? Anyone who keeps your word, how can you say these things? Who do you think you are? Look at verses 44, excuse me, 54 and 55. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. I do know him, and I keep his word. Again, and we have seen this probably a dozen times in the Gospel of John. I do not glorify myself. My Father glorifies me, the one whom you claim is your God. If I were to say I didn't know him, I'd be a liar just like you because I do know him and I have come from him. And I want you to think with me this morning of all the great claims to verify everything that Jesus says about himself, about who he is. Jesus has already at this point fulfilled all kinds of Old Testament prophecies. In addition to that, we have the coming of John the Baptist, which we saw at the beginning of the Gospel of John. And John the Baptist, who is paving the way for Jesus, has made very clear who is to come after him and who this person is. He is the Messiah. He is the Chosen One. He is the Savior of the world. And not only that, but we have Jesus teaching. As a testimony, we have the great miracles that Jesus has performed as a testimony and we have the very voice of God the Father who said this is my son this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and yet you refuse to believe but I must tell you I must tell you who I am I cannot lie or I would be a liar like you well that brings us to verse 56 Jesus says to them, Your father Abraham, whom they are appealing to, 
Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. You keep appealing to Abraham? Well, I want you to know something. Abraham rejoiced. He was full of joy to see my day. He saw it and was glad. How did Abraham, who had died thousands of years before, see the day of Jesus? Well, I think there are at least two answers to this. First of all, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 in the great Abrahamic covenant where God promises to bless all the nations on earth, all the families of earth, all the peoples of earth through the offspring, through the seed of Abraham. He says, Abraham, through your heir, who would be Isaac, through your heir, through your seed, through your offspring, that started with Isaac, I should say, through your offspring, I am going to bless the entire world. And then we come to Galatians chapter 3. And if you're not familiar with Galatians chapter 3, we won't spend a lot of time in it this morning. But if you're not familiar with it, I encourage you this week to go and read it. It is a powerful chapter in the Bible. In Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham when he was alive. And then it says that God promised to bless the nations to bless all peoples through the offspring, through the seed of Abraham, but not offspring plural, not seed plural, but offspring singular and seed singular, and that one person is Jesus Christ. Says it right in Galatians chapter 3. So in that sense, Abraham, looking down into history prophetically, Believing God, totally believing God because his belief was counted to him, credited to him as righteousness. He looks down through history and sees that his seed is going to bless the nations and ultimately his seed would be the Messiah, the chosen one, the savior of the world and that seed is Jesus. So that's one way to look at this. But another way to look at this, when he says Abraham rejoiced to... Rejoice that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Another way to look at this is Abraham's still alive. He never experienced the second death. He never tasted the second death. Abraham's alive, just like all of those who are in Christ, who have gone before us. They're still alive. They're very much alive. In some ways, we could say they're more alive than they've ever been. Abraham's alive. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, when Jesus ministered on the earth, when Jesus died and rose again, Abraham saw it because he was still alive. Now watch how the Jews react, verse 57. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Now I'm not sure where they pick 50, because Jesus is approximately 33 at this time. I think what they're simply saying is, you're, you're a young man. You're a young man and you have seen Abraham? How do you know? Are you telling us you saw Abraham, that Abraham saw you? And that brings us to that great verse, a powerful verse, really the critical verse for this morning, and that's verse 58. Jesus said to them, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, again, pay attention, listen closely. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. We've seen this before in the Gospel of John. We're going to see it again. It's the great statement of Jesus that he is the I am. That he is the I am of the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 who said to Moses, I am that I am. And when you go to Pharaoh, tell him that I am has sent you. I am the ever-existent, eternal God. I am God, a very God, who has always existed. This is more powerful than I think we could ever grasp. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am who I am. Did they understand? Oh, they understand very clearly. Helps us to understand verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. When he claims to be the great I am, they pick up stones to stone him to death. This was blasphemy in their eyes. They were going to carry out the instructions of Leviticus. They were going to stone him to death because he was blaspheming. They understood very clearly that he was claiming to be the great I am of Exodus chapter 3. He was claiming, folks, he was claiming to be Yahweh. He was claiming to be God, a very God, and they want to kill him. And we have already seen this numerous times where their hatred and anger toward him are so great that they want to kill him. In another place in the Gospels, they want to throw him off a cliff. In approximately six months, they're going to crucify him. So that brings us Pick up stones to throw them, to throw the stones at him, to stone him to death. And that brings to kind of a close chapters 5 through 8, this great interaction between these religious leaders and Jesus. But as we close this morning, there is something I want us to think about. And that is this, the gracious invitation of Jesus is still being extended today. This wasn't just for the Jewish religious leaders. This is for me. This is for you. Jesus said, If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Amazing words. Jesus says to all of us this morning, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You will live forever if you're thirsty this morning. Jesus invites you to come to him. If you are thirsty this morning, maybe you're watching by live stream, maybe you're here. If you thirst, oh, he longs for you to come to him, to bow your head, to pray, to receive him into your life as Lord and Savior. And he says to you, if anyone keeps my word, and that means you, that means me, he will never see death. He will never taste death. 
I say to you this morning, if you believe the gospel and trust in the one who died and rose again to provide for your salvation, if you place all your trust in him, you will never see death. You will never taste death, the second death. Yes, you will experience physical death, but you will go straight into the arms of Jesus. You will go straight into the presence of the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And the promise of the gospel is that for those who believe and receive, they will never see the second death. They will never taste the second death. That has always been the promise of the gospel, and it always will be. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gracious, merciful invitation of the gospel. If we receive Jesus as Savior, we will never experience the second death. When we die, oh Lord, when we die, we will walk into your presence. We will walk into the presence of our Savior. Father, my prayer this morning is this. Please help everyone. Please help everyone to understand the great promise of the gospel. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.